hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the DMs Book Club. My name is Ryan and am I, oh, I've got some amazing stuff for you today, specifically with an amazing person who has prepared this session for me, which is just brilliant because I just get to talk to her. It's Fiona. Oh, me. Okay. I'm yeah, not sure uh, you're going to introduce somebody come else. <laughs> You've got to have a bit of enthusiasm. How are you? You're right. Yeah. Oh, well, better for seeing you, Ryan. Better for seeing you. Oh, that's very sweet. I mean, this is a podcast and we just have to assume that people know that they, we can see each other. It's... Yes, we're, we're totally <laughs> in the same room. <laughs> yes, totally. No, to be fair, we're doing this on Zoom. We've actually we've done all of this on Zoom, mm-hmm. which is a little bit behind the curtain because we, we did we start this just after lockdown started in the UK. I can't uh, remember when we filming this. It was about, we started officially recording, I think, May, early, early yeah. May, and then it started coming out due, July, because sure. we're, we're, so waiting, we're waiting on Sam to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we've had a, we a good run. Yeah. We've got a pretty good run. Actually, this has worked pretty well. It's been a good, good opportunity to just keep chatting, isn't it? Whilst everybody's sort of locked up and... Uh, yeah. I actually listened to one of these back the other day. Oh. So would you believe that? I wow. normally refuse to listen to anything with my own voice in it because I find it incredibly <laughs> awkward, but it, it sounds good. You do you, really good. Do, do you not watch your own like SIP videos back or anything like that just to check it's oh, okay? No, I have to edit them. That's bad <laughs> enough. Like, I mean, you, you'll know firsthand if you record yourself and then you have to edit yourself back having to listen to yourself over and over and over and over say the same thing especially if you've if you've mucked the filming up a little mm-hmm. bit and you need to like move the audio around or cut stuff out sorry this is really boring and not anything no to do with i think stuff. it's interesting no well i just i because i've done the the voiceover because i've so recently as some people may know i fucked up a call of cthulhu edit and lost it it's now completed but yesterday i recorded it like the the voiceover in an hour god you know what i can't say cthulhu mythos to save my life it took oh, me like difficult. 10 minutes to like cthulhu say mythos no that's mythos. not a natural yeah no and just and just various mythos. words and like an extreme success an extreme success you gotta practice it and my god an it... extreme success oh yeah that is really tricky yeah. do you remember sam's crazy complicated cthulhu board game and we tried to play it that one time well, and it's I, the I most think... moving parts oh it's um arkham horror you guys played arkham right? horror god yeah. that was something <laughs> that makes anything that we've ever spoken about on this podcast seem like super super easy that yeah, child's play mental. really <laughs> oh, it was horrendous <laughs> talking about things with a lot of different rules we have your topic to talk about today which i have the notes up in front of me and they look very very cool so Fiona, what are we talking about so today we're going to talk about the combat wheelchair which is a quite a new edition and actually i think this is the first time we've actually looked at something which isn't and i say this in quotation officially dnd this is actually a community made piece of equipment essentially that you can put into your campaigns both as a dm and a player and i just thought it would be something really good because it's been actually quite topical in the uh, rpg world because turns out lots of people don't like it because it's like well why would adventurers need wheelchairs because they're adventurers and actually <laughs> when you read through the rules of this it actually makes a lot of sense it means that anyone can be an adventurer and you can play it however they like so yeah i just mm. thought it'd be something completely different just to look at in great detail it's really cool and it is very different and in a good way in a way that's made me look at a lot of mm. what we think about in D&D with doing things and, and how the rules are set up and how the characters are set up and you sort of start to think about it and think oh there's a lot of assumptions we make and a lot of things that are just in D&D that you wouldn't necessarily think about but actually for a lot of people 
would be something that they couldn't replicate in real life or something that wouldn't apply in real life. And you start to think, oh, no, that's really interesting. Yeah. Plus, it's quite typical for us as well, because a lot of the things they put in this remind me a lot of what we've spoken about quite a lot in previous episodes with Eberron and with the higher Magitech sort of way of looking at D&D with artificers and with all bits and pieces. And I don't know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Do you want to give us an overview? What's the idea behind the combat wheelchair? So the idea is just that any adventurer who has issues with mobility, this is to give them sort of a way to move about in the world. And not only is it to do everyday things, so like traveling or getting around and moving spaces, but also in combat. How would you, as an adventurer, suddenly get you know, ambushed by bandits or anything like that? If you have limited mobility, well, what can you do to go about it? What I like about this is that it treats adventurers who have limited mobility, who have disabilities, as equals. And there's an actually really interesting bit right at the beginning, which is like, what does this chair do? And it's sort of, I guess it was anticipating these people who are like, but why do we need it? Well, this is cheating, all that sort of thing. And it's very neatly sort of summarizes of like, well, this chair can hover about two feet to go up and down inclines or stairs. Mm. And people are like, well, that's cheating. I said, well, only if you're going to limit everyone to the first floor. You know, because obviously, <laughs> and it's just, I just thought that was really interesting because it's like, well, let's put things in perspective. So I, I quite like that. The other thing that the sort of document has sort of made me look at is actually wheelchair basketball and rugby. And I didn't know wheelchair rugby was a thing. My God, what watching you it. Not? No, it is oh. so fascinating. They like, call it murder ball, don't they? Is it a bit of a nickname? I'm pretty sure they call hey. it murder ball. I've seen a couple of games and my God, especially the when you get up to the top of wheelchair rugby, the, the sort of semi-professional teams and the Paralympic teams and all this sort of thing. God, they are brutal. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I, fun to watch. It's a really good game. But that's the thing, right? Because I think people have this very odd image of wheelchairs from films and books is of, of people who are frailer, who need fixing, in quotation marks. That sort of image has been put forward. And I actually, when I was thinking about stuff to do like later on, like what would I recommend? I had a real hard time thinking of any sort of recent film or book that features a protagonist who is like well-rounded and well-developed in a wheelchair. But then when you think of, like you said, like wheelchair basketball and rugby, these people do not care... Like they're, they're just going to slam into people because their wheelchairs are made for it. And that's what I quite liked is that this is not the stereotypical sort of look of a wheelchair. This is one that's been made for combat, made for adventuring. And that's, yeah, I just thought this is brilliant. So the idea behind this, isn't it, is that you are essentially bridging the gap between somebody without need of assistance sort of going about and then somebody in one of these chairs. And the idea is to bridge that over to make their zero difference, essentially, in how the game is run. Mm-hmm. And exactly that. The way that I find it really interesting to think about this is because we can talk about the chair and we'll talk about all the things it does and all the ways we can put it into a campaign. But keep this in mind. We've been playing a lot of D&D recently over... Zoom and know the mm-hmm. sort of online and a lot of people use Roll20 and, and all kinds of sort of online things. And if you don't use maps for encounters, specifically you don't have minis, you don't have placements where you can put people around like a sort of an actual place and, and, and use five feet squares on maps and stuff. You play a lot of D&D using theatre of the mind, the idea that you talk through things and use your imagination. And when you apply the rules and talk about theatre of the mind, the two are totally different. We're essentially, we're rolling dice to get random results up, and then we're explaining it by using whatever words we need to, to kind of give the idea that this is what's happened. And actually, when we look through all of the things that the wheelchair does, you can ignore all of this and use exactly the same rules to describe somebody in a normal setting that is walking and then attack it. That's, that's the way I'm thinking about it. It's supposed to just totally replace and be 
the same as mm-hmm. like mechanically i think yeah. that's the way i sort of look at this and it's interesting you sort of mentioned like the online stuff because as someone who deals with a lot of online content in an education setting so there's been a lot of pressure certainly on universities right now and i don't know about yourself ryan in a sense we have to make everything accessible for people who have disabilities that aren't necessarily visible so for example both you and i wear contacts or wear glasses etc and that is considered a disability but actually because we every day just have it corrected through various means we don't see that as an impairment and now that we're stuck in our own houses having to do stuff on zoom there's also the issue of digital accessibility as well so sometimes and i you know not saying names someone's internet's not very good but that's okay because you know we can fix ways around it but sometimes your internet's not good to have hd cameras so you have to come up with other ways and it was actually an interesting article on dicebreaker which talked about people who usually use face-to-face rpg sessions suddenly having to go online and actually not enjoying it and their campaigns are dying out because they miss that dynamic of being in the room with people and the accessibility stuff is different for them i can't imagine if i was someone who used a wheelchair and wasn't allowed to play a character that i wanted to play that had a wheelchair or was able to go into these spaces and stuff like that so i just thought Mm. it was just an interesting way of seeing something from a completely different point of view that i can empathize with but not necessarily ever experience so it was actually very insightful The document itself, it's very, very detailed. I think it's like one of the best things I've seen that's just creating something completely customizable, completely new, and I think works. Like, you know, you can add stuff to it. It's it's free. And yeah, I just, everything Mm. about it, I just really like. Yeah, it's interesting you said that, actually. I've got a point on that later, but where do you want to start with this? What's the best place to start mechanically? Mechanically. I think the big thing people are going to say is like, oh, it's a fantasy setting. Why is there a wheelchair? Why why are we eating? There's no such thing. And that is completely untrue. Again, the, the bit at the beginning talks about like, they have been in Dungeons and Dragons. They are canon in some sort of D&D novels as well, which again, I didn't realise was a thing. Um, <laughs> it being canon, not there's D&D novels, obviously. I'm not, yeah, that, say. <laughs> <laughs> not that silly. The first thing is like the portability and versatility of the wheelchair. Again, because it's sort of based on these sports chairs, they can be ported around. You know, they will fit on the back of a wagon and stuff like that. So it's no issue per se. You can have ones that are collapsible that you could put on onto like a sturdy, uh, sturdy horse perhaps as well. The one I think was very interesting and I assume must happen in these sports as well is that it has seatbelts. You strap the adventurer in so that they don't fall out. Like mm. that makes total sense as well because obviously you're trying to do a deck save or whatever like that. And then you have the choice of like, will you escape your, your thing? You have to undo the seatbelt, etc. It can be moved sort of telepathically or through touching a beacon stone to move left, right and centre just like a motorised wheelchair would do as well. So it, it takes that sort of... Um, that's sort of like what how we see as a modern wheelchair and then just puts it in there but explains it away like we always do is like magic magic yeah. items help with this and that's good enough for me we explain so much away in dnd so don't worry about it don't think too hard it's now a wall of fire that has appeared from nowhere and yeah. now it is a cabinet so you know <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> like a lot of it is explaining all the different bits and pieces it does but essentially again It's just making it so that you can do all the things that a person would be able to do. So all of these things like being able to like use the beacon stone to ascend and descend stairs 
is the big one, which of course is like something that you're like, oh, a wheelchair that can float up and down stairs. Isn't that really cool? That's amazing. Well, anybody can walk upstairs. So really, mm. probably not as huge as you'd think, but it's still really cool. You can use it as a spell casting focus, a wild shape focus. You can use it as a weapon. You're proficient in it. All of these little mechanic bits that feel like, oh, it can do a lot of stuff, but actually, no, it's just making, it's just putting everybody on a path. Mm-hmm. I think is, is, is yeah, it's, it's how I think about it. But it's really cool. Like, yeah, all kinds of stuff. There's been a bit of discussion that, oh, but you're using it as a weapon as well. So let's have a quick look at that. So it has, let's see, it has three actions that you can take on its turn. So if your character isn't necessarily using a crossbow or using axes or anything like that, you could use the wheelchair itself. So you've got sort of three types of attacks. You've got a tire strike, which is by pivoting on one wheel. And using your momentum, you can strike a target creature within range with one of the real wheels. Again, I've seen that in basketball where you just sort of turn around to grab the ball. Yeah, um, if you've ever seen wheelchair rugby, then yeah, they do that. that. You'll know exactly <laughs> what, <laughs> what damage uh, can be done. You have the ram, so you're moving in a straight line. You can go ram into people. And then as well as that, if the target creature is prone on the ground, you can use your crush accent and just run over them. I love that idea. You finish you off like the boss and you're like, no, it's time to be crushed by me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, it's really cool. Different attacks you can use, all melee stuff that like helps to sort of move things about. Again, all mechanically very sound, like nothing, nothing seems to be sort of in it. I mean, the next bit, it was talking about how, you know, like the rules you can use to give the chair health or hit points or, or mm. break it and everything and well, what did you think about this bit do you think it was a good addition or do you think it was maybe not needed well that's interesting i honestly don't understand this rule and maybe that's just because i'm just really bad at reading ryan i'll read it out so it says the combat wielder doesn't have hit points the same way as a sword or a shield has but i i, I assume swords and shields don't have hit points but they used to in all versions of dnd oh did you, they you can actually make sunder attacks and they're like behind the dm screens and everything you have very different rules for acs and health of items oh. if you need them but nobody ever really goes i sunder the person's shield like these days it doesn't really apply I- I never knew that. That 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 it's like another level of things that I do not care about. <laughs> it's like, oh, your sword's on one hit point. It's like um, when your stuff breaks and like Minecraft or or raft or, or grounded. You're like, oh god, I just needed one more fish. I've got to make another bloody fishing rod. <laughs> Sorry, that was a very random ramble. Says so more about me than this game. Um, <laughs> however, the wheelchair can withstand three consecutive critical hits before it needs repairing by either Tinker Tools or Smith's Tools, and you can get it repaired, blah, blah, blah. Consecutive sounds like you have to get three natural 20s or criticals on the chair or on the person in a row. Is that mm. right? Am I reading that right? I didn't think the consecutive word was needed. I got the impression that it was kind of like a three strikes and you're out situation. That's what I thought, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. You wouldn't really give somebody's armor or shield health would you so i don't know if it's even needed like i mean it talks about whether this is actually needed because someone can use a mending cantrip to fix it mm-hmm. so we're not talking that it needs to be really policed yeah. that much and could you imagine inviting somebody to i don't know like join in your campaign and say yeah you know what your disability is fine we really love that come along come be involved here's your wheelchair fantastic you're in the middle of a dungeon your wheelchair broke 
Yeah, yeah. Like, now you yeah. can't move. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine doing that? That'd be really I, harsh. I feel like, yeah, you might need to do like some upkeep of, you know, like so again, with like all yeah. equipment and stuff, like, yeah, but I can imagine that. So maybe you say, oh, you need to pay uh, however much it is. I, again, it talks about like how much things do cost to upgrade and to maintain and stuff like that, which I, to me, it seems quite steep. But then again, obviously, I don't have a wheelchair. I assume mm. the maintenance is quite expensive. So again, I think that's quite true to life. It depends on the wheelchair. My boss has one and he really should be doing better but his wheelchair is literally made of tin cans and whatever <laughs> rubber he can steal from people's shoes like it is the most oh my good... god <laughs> oh it's terrible i i think i've put about six replacement wheels on this thing because it's cheaper to replace the wheel than it is to actually get a new tire for it like really? it's it is atrociously cheap this thing depends on the chair i think if you get one of these professional sports ones yeah i could see it being a few hundred gold that's uh that makes sense and I think that makes sense for any adventurer, actually, when you think about it, you know, when you go to the shop and you upgrade your weapons or your armor, it's going to cost several thousand gold pieces and stuff like that. So it makes sense for adventurers to be investing in that. And I think it does talk about like whether you start out with the chair or whether you gain it along the way. Mm. And, that, and that's what I quite like as well, is that it's that discussion you can have with your DM and stuff like that. If you are using, say, for example, the critical injuries table, whereby, you know, they get reduced to zero hit points, they have to roll a D20 and what they get is, you know, they could break their arm, they could lose an eye, etc. So you could also, you know, you say, well, you lose a limb. And this is another sort of point that came up in the sort of conversations in the RPG community is like, well, you would just go to a healer and you would regrow it and it'll be fine. You know, healing costs a lot of money. Not everyone has 500 gold to just bring mm. people back to life. And it makes a very good point right at the beginning. Some people aren't born with limbs, so you can't regrow something that wasn't there in the first place, which I thought was like, oh, again, something I hadn't considered and I'm now aware of it. People don't necessarily want to be fixed. They just want to be themselves. They don't need this extra hassle and stuff like that. So I feel like the option to have the chair at the beginning or make that choice later on is actually quite valuable uh, to people, certainly if you are playing a non-disabled character and then, you know, they're like, oh, this has come out. Well, I would love to use this and then you could weave it into the story in some way. So, yeah, I think that's that's really you cool. You could easily mix it up with the artificial rules. I mean, that, that's what I was thinking, like, you know, the ability to, to have all these magical items and to improve them and then to, to sort of build them in. And yeah, I like you're absolutely right. You've got the choice, haven't you? I was thinking, God, I would be so under-equipped to try and bring something like this into a campaign like that we were running. Do you know what I mean? Just in terms of like, say your character, Aubrey the Barbarian, had an incident and couldn't walk or something mm-hmm. and then having to actually role-play that through and, and think about it mechanically. God, that would be tough. I'd have to really think about that. And mm. yeah. That could be a challenge for yourself to include like a minor character at some point using the combat wheelchair. I actually, because I'm uh, helping write another D&D stuff at some point, one of the minor characters I had, it's uh, it's the grandmother or something. I was like, why this grandmother of Gnome Clan, she's really great. She's an artificer, because I obviously bloody love artificers. I was like, what about if they had an accident in the lab and they lost the use of their legs? They, of course, would be in a combat wheelchair. And so I just, you know, I, I said all this stuff and they thought this was brilliant. So hopefully if this all goes around, we'll see this grandmother appear in a really cool combat wheelchair that just turns up and just berates all the, the grandchildren and then runs away. It'll be great. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great idea. No, I love that. And, you know, weirdly, I'm just thinking about this thing. You, you've got me thinking about different things that I could do to bring into a campaign. I would find it easier to bring this in 
for an NPC? Because I think the benefit of this whole, I guess the wheelchair is kind of basically so that you can play any player and, and have them sort of mechanically quite equal. So I think I could bring this in for an NPC pretty easily. Mm-hmm. It's bringing it in for a PC I would mm-hmm. find more difficult in terms of just sort of actually introducing it as a concept. I don't know if that's a thing. Is that a thing? Maybe I'm complicating it too much. No, but. no, I think you're right. I think it's a mixture of, because both you and I are non-disabled, and I also was thinking about, like, would I feel comfortable playing this person when I, it's not something I've ever experienced. But actually, I think we should be doing stuff like this, but treating it in a sensitive way. So if you and I were playing in other regular campaigns, obviously it's you and me. So we're just, we would just sort of like talk about it and talking through like what would be the best way of, um, you know, bringing this through. And if anything, it just makes people work a little bit harder to be like, okay, so how would you use your character? Why are they using the wheelchair? What are they doing to use it? Because obviously you have all these upgrades, which I'm sure will come to how you can get around the environment or you can customize it just for you which i absolutely love and then you have all these optional features as well it's like well you can make it so it is swifter so it will go quicker down hills and all that sort of thing so there's a lot i think there's a lot to think about maybe from now on for both of us i think whether we're playing or we're doing dming is just to take the leap and just talk to the players saying this is an option please use it i i have no issues with running it and stuff like that and just making that bold choice to go forward and include Mm. this in our campaigns I think there's other things, other choices and other bold steps that you can make and have made without even thinking about it. I mean, one of the things that you find yourself doing when you DM a lot is playing people of the other gender or monsters or anything like that. Stuff that obviously doesn't apply to me. I'm not a woman, but I have female characters in my campaign. And even down to, I think we've had characters that are LGBT and um, asexual or, or bits and pieces that we've thrown in, not without thinking, but as in you would be more comfortable to do it. But I haven't I don't think I have put anyone disabled in. And I'm thinking about it and thinking, why have I not? You've definitely put people in who are visually impaired, for sure. That I was aware of Mm. when I was thinking of this. But because we haven't experienced it, we don't think about it. And that's something where we go, we need to look around the room who's not here and include that in. So, And that's that's on both of our parts as well. Yeah, I I am being more aware of making brave choices and stuff. So it's interesting, you know, like some DMs do find it hard to play people of the opposite gender, which for me is obviously like I can play any gender. I prefer to play female characters because I think women are great. But I I also, (laughs) (laughs) but I also, I think for me, having a brave choice to play with an accent and then keep it up, like you're always going to get players that go, what happened to your accent? Like, I know I've done that to you and you've done that to me. A few times, yeah. But but the point is that if you keep it going, it it becomes a valid choice and it's always a valid choice to do it. And that's, Mm. again, as Clang, improv. That's a scary thing for me to do in improv. And I actually did it in Call of Cthulhu. I tried an American accent and it was terrifying because I'm, it's not a good accent. But the fact I kept (laughs) it up throughout the whole four hours that it turned out, it turned out to be, was really impressive. When I listened back, I thought, oh, there's a professional somewhere in here. <laughs> so I think that's it. It's, like, it's making that bold choice, just doing it. I guess there's also that sort of talk about having consent of the players, but I think you yourself, if you're the DM and you want to include something like this, but you're not sure, just do it. We've spoken about the general rules with how this sort of combat wheelchair works, but we've got upgrades as well, which are quite interesting. So if you kind of split this into two parts, you've got the first bit, which is basically the mechanics of getting it into the game. The second part is then enjoying it and making it a little bit better than it would otherwise be. So whereas part one is sort of getting up to par, 
part two does stuff that maybe even able-bodied characters couldn't do. So this mm-hmm. is quite interesting. Well, actually, some of them are. Some of them are more leveling things, but I think um, it's interesting. So the combat wheelchair, it has space or slots. I, again, I'm thinking of that video game-wise, has slots for two upgrades at any one time. Not all the upgrades are compatible with the other ones, which again, makes complete sense. Can you tell which is my favourite upgrade though, Ryan? <laughs> well, now... You know, you've mentioned a few of them, but then you did quite, quite, you know, enjoyingly mention the, I'm going to say the cross, or then the sniper one, the crossbow one. No, I did like that one, the idea that it was there. So yeah, the mounted sniper upgrade, whereby it's on one of the armbreasts of the combat wheelchair. And that, again, is interesting for people who may not have much movement in their upper body or their limbs as well. No, it's the spider legs one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the spider legs one was hilarious and it's given me sort of dr octopus sort of yes. like vibe spider-man sort of vibes you know the the new marvel films with the yes you know, all over yeah death mode <laughs> <laughs> yeah i absolutely love this basically underneath the wheelchair you have eight mechanical legs that fold up into like a claw position and then they sort of come out and then you can walk on walls or the ceiling for up to an hour it then does say at the end, just make sure you're not on the ceiling because you will fall and you can't use it for like two hours or whilst they're recharging. But I just, just yeah. the image of these legs coming out and like, it's not necessarily for combat. It just gets you with a bit more speed, a bit more climbing so you can get into hard to reach places. But I just was like, if I had a choice, I would just use spider legs all the time because they are so cool and i was just i was like no we've got to stop my legs need recharging uh <laughs> can't go any further exactly, exactly. no it was, it was really cool the ability to take a wheelchair and put it on the ceiling but again there are magic items that do that like spider climb sort of things exactly as you are so there's nothing in here that sort of doesn't not work i have to say the ones that really got me and made me wince were the skin shredders or the shin shredders oh yes they're, they're, they're like the sort of chariot-esque spikes on the wheels mm-hmm. you know when you're sort of running by and just sort of cutting people at, oh oh there's something like anything to do with shins or hamstrings i find really Ugh. difficult to think about like i don't know what's that big tendon that runs down the back of your leg and onto your foot is that the achilles oh, yeah. one oh yeah. yeah the one right at the back of the ankle oh, anything with that Ugh. Ugh. oh dear sorry i'm just creeping you out yeah. there's some really cool ones here actually um armor plates and i like the idea of the float i don't know yes. just the idea that you have your own little boat like that is cute for me it's like well, what do we do quick get in the boat go no 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 need you'll give me a second <laughs> and then you're like just float next to everyone else <laughs> so cool yeah there's some really really cool ideas here i think it's fun because they've all got gold costs they've all got things it's kind of like you can save up for them you can mm-hmm. have a few sessions of the campaign work out what's really good what's going to work for you and um yeah. Kind of make it up as you go along, really. You could even have multiple chairs. I mean, it talks about packing one up and sticking it on a cart. You can have a chair for every situation, a combat chair, an adventurer chair, a waterborne chair. Oh, that'd be so cool. You could either make your own ones. I like the idea of a submarine. Oh, just a, oh yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah, when you're like at level 20, you're going to have a fuck ton of chairs. You're going to have one just for day, one for the afternoon. Yeah. yeah, one that can just dimension door into the ethereal plane and then pop back up again. It's like, I'll be back. Yes, <laughs> press the beacon stone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Reading through this as a whole then, so mm-hmm. it kind of gives all of the rules. It gives everything as to what you would need to put into a campaign. Was there anything you really liked? as a general concept or specifically anything that stood out that you thought was really good? 
I think this whole document, if anything, is so meaty and so detailed like for me, I'm like, whoa, there's too much here. But actually, I think this is good because there are some people who love having all the extra little bits and you're like, oh, I can fit it in like this and it's really cool. But to the average player, you'd be like, well, I just want a, a wheelchair, like a combat wheelchair that can do this. And you're like, yeah, you can do that. And I just thought having stuff like the basic tires go over the four main terrains and then you could be like, we well, can upgrade to all terrains. So if you're ever going through like the icy tundra or you're going through the desert, then you're fine. I thought that's awesome because that doesn't limit you as a player to if your campaign is suddenly right we're going to we're going to Icedale wherever or the Frostwind place where wherever the new D&D thing is being set then you can definitely go I think you mentioned it briefly before the idea of it's just an extension of yourself so spells involve it the wild shaping it goes into it as well and I think you could be very flavorful with that as well you know like describing the the chair sort of moving into your body and stuff and like maybe having elements of it still in your wild shape form as far as flavor stuff yeah it, it was really good like really well put together and and sort of made you think about mechanically actually D and fifth edition generally it's a very simple game they've deliberately made it quite simple in terms of getting people in there's not too many rules there's not too many proficiencies and skills Mm. And actually, when you put this stuff together, you can make it fit into the game without too much issue. I do quite like that. Was there anything you would change or you didn't like about it? Mm, well, so I think, and this is maybe, this would probably break it, knowing me, but I want to have something, because I think there's like, great, so you can you can climb on walls, you can float in water, you can uh, kneecap people, it's all great, great, great. I want to be able to fly in this thing. I want to be able to... <laughs> it, I think what would be cool is that if you had some sort of upgrade which could cast Featherfall on you, like obviously, like, you know, mm. I'm sure you could do it yourself with a spell, but actually having something built in so that if you were falling, because it does talk about what happens with the wheelchair if you fall, you still take fall damage, etc. But like... I have this image of you're in battle and then you go, right, now we fly and like mechanical mm. bat wings come out and you start flapping around like a fly speed, essentially. I think that would be really awesome to have, basically just have um, the wings of flying attached to the back of it. But that was kind of it. Like I thought everything else, uh, again, just yeah. was quite inspiring, to be honest. So yeah. I think, yeah, you could you could easily get a lot of those changes put into the game without too much issue. Yeah. I mean, if you, it's one of those DM tricks you've got where a chair that casts fly a very long rest or something, or like that's the sort of stuff you could do pretty mm. easily and just sort of replace it with a, a magic item of a similar level or sort of swap skills in and out. I think that's exactly. quite, quite good. Now, I've, there's a couple of things with this that actually stood out for me is, mm. is maybe I would change if I was doing it. One with how the document has been put together and then one with the actual mechanics of it. So me mechanically, I think, do you think that it's perhaps a little bit too complicated? Oh, like there's uh, a lot of the rules yes. in it and a lot of the things to do with weight and with costs. And there's a lot of abilities that recharge every day. You can use it for one hour every three or it charges for two hours or, or things like that. I think you could replace a lot of that sort of stuff with... Short rest, long rest to keep it in charge and keep it in touch with a lot of the other skills in D&D. &D. Like all of the classes have like three times per long rest or mm. once per short rest or blah, 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 blah. I think mm. you, could, you could easily stick it onto those time frames. And I think a lot of the rules about damaging the chair and having to worry about folding it up and bits and pieces, yes, practically that may be interesting. But from a D&D &D point of view, well, we don't penalize normal people for that sort of stuff. So we don't need to bring that as a rule in. I think mm. I'd probably 
would strip that sort of thing out. I don't know if it's essentially, I don't know if it's needed. Does it add anything? I think, I, like, there's too many rules in D&D as it is. That's exactly it. I think it's been developed for people who like having those sort of things. Like, I mean, if you've ever looked at D&D Beyond and it goes, how many rations do you have? And how much is this? And, oh, your lifestyle, it's five gold per day and stuff like that. And I feel... There was a, oh, sorry, really boring, but I, I read a, a thing in improv book today. It says, don't make your scenes about money because they're super boring. And I agree. Anything to do with money and like, oh, but I owe you this much. And I appreciate, I appreciate I'm saying this because obviously I owe a lot of people money in, in our serials campaign. I hate thinking about it. But I just feel like if you, if you make the scene about money, it's taking it away from the characters and taking it away from the relationships in that scene. So if you think about the wheelchair yeah you think like well you know we get away with so much that you said simplify it so it's on a short rest great and you just don't have to worry about it whereas i feel there's like some players as a player have always done that thing where it's like well it costs this much and it's this much and i plan everything out and it takes this and, and i'm just making sure and i think you know if people want to do that that's fine but i completely agree with you is some of the stuff i'm like yeah of course you can do it as long as it's not too ridiculous yeah. like you know trying to have three upgrades and and uh, or whatever like i you know i think to be honest you could do some of the upgrades you could do it as a, a reward for the end of uh, and finishing a mission or something like that. It's like the people thank you, they club together and they give mm. you, you know, they help you. They ask, what do you want? And you would be like, I want uh, all-terrain tires. And like, we can help you with that. You know, I, I think there's just, yeah, like you said, there's just other ways and other flavorings you could do with that sort of thing. But yeah, mm. I mean, I don't fault Easily. it for being too detailed, but at the same time, I completely agree with you. I'm just like, whoa, no thanks. <laughs> I think 90% of people wouldn't bother with a lot of the detail of it. But the other thing, and perhaps this is my no experience with the issue eyes looking at this, but at no point did I read the document and go, oh, well, I think this is over the game. And I think it's sad that the document spends so long having to defend itself. Do you know what I mean? Like from right from the outset, it's going along the lines of like, but is this unfair? And then no, no, of course it's not. And blah, blah, blah. And having to talk about that. And with a statement at the beginning about how we should be celebrating this and that. And like, it's a really, it clearly is important to the author and, and clearly must be an issue. I'm not taking that away. No. But it's almost sad that they had to bring that up because I yeah. just, it never crossed my mind. And that's the thing, right? I say this as a friend, but obviously you are a man who's done very, very well. <laughs> but it's the same thing with all these um, RPG communities. There are these sort of gatekeepers who, you know, they say, well, women can't play. They're not good enough. They can only play female characters. We don't want LGBT. We don't want people of colour. Our way is, is the right way. D&D is not a political game. And you're like, well, the best stories are political. The best stories do face mm -hmm. these issues and stuff like that. So it's absolutely really sweet that you like, but this isn't an issue like you said you were nervous about probably putting it in your campaign but i think you would be able to do it and you would treat it sensibly but unfortunately lots of people just again it's that nostalgia that sort of like well we've always played it that's why oh you're making it inclusive you're making it like social justice warrior etc there's been a lot of change over the last 20 years there's a huge amount more to do with so much stuff don't get me wrong but mm. there has been a lot of change and i can see especially with the more traditional community i can see them can see the hackles coming up and maybe exactly that sort of resistance to it 
it's not doing anybody any harm. They're just trying to level the playing field, just mm. smooth it. Nobody's trying to min-max this or get, get an advantage. Although saying that, you put this into an official book, I could guarantee you would find min-maxes on it almost immediately. And maybe that's almost the perfect point of acceptance mm-hmm. if you put it into what's the new book coming out is it tasha's cauldron of, of everything something? yeah i was about of to say everything yeah so the combat wheelchair goes into tasha's cauldron and you find that that really cliquey nerdy min max community on the D forum suddenly all of their characters have one because they've decided it's the most min max thing you can do mm-hmm. wouldn't that be the most brilliant accepting of exactly the thing <laughs> thing I was going to sort of finish off with is again like recommendations of where to sort of see similar things with combat wheelchair which we kind of already covered so like obviously there's wheelchair rugby watch that that is really interesting and exciting the only sort of main character I can see in that's quotation marks that who is sort of a well-rounded I don't I hate using the word strong character because I don't think there's anything as strong because people can be flawed Professor X from the X-Men. So obviously there is someone who has great intellect, but has limited mobility. And the other thing actually, which occurred to me was again, watching wheelchair rugby was actually watch the Paralympics. You see these Mm. uh, disabled athletes who are competing in great, amazing sports, doing so much better than I ever hoped to dream as a non-disabled person. And it's actually really fascinating to watch that. So I'd recommend certainly the London 2012 ones. Uh, I say this because obviously I live in Stratford. So I walk past like the, some of the Olympic stadium and stuff quite often. And they've got like the names of all the different Paralympians uh, along sort of the Olympic walk and stuff. Famously, obviously, you've got Professor X and anything to do with the X-Men and, and, and what he's been up to and the use of his, I think at some point he's got a mentally controlled wheelchair, which mm-hmm. is quite cool, especially in some of the movies. But I wanted to give a shout out to, there is a BBC presenter and I'm going to butcher his name, but it is Addy Adabitan, I think, Adabitan. Oh. He used to be a wheelchair basketballer and he oh. does loads and loads of now documentaries, travel documentaries, where he goes around the world. And he did a huge one recently where he went to Africa, which is not a wheelchair-friendly country. And he absolutely beasted it. And it was amazing to watch because you could see him go around and he had like one of these very all-terrain, like, wheelchairs and went about and was absolutely awesome and if you ever need proof that somebody can go out and absolutely just be brilliant go watch his stuff like it's really really cool i think it was cool it was something like africa with addy something like that again wasn't aware that i will definitely look that up i love documentaries i love finding out more about things that's awesome i've actually bumped into him in real life on three separate occasions and not once has it been deliberate and not once have i said hello so there you go (laughs) <laughs> you're just constantly just bumping into celebrities in london that's what it's a very like. very specific skill set him Stephen merchant i've bumped into on about two or three separate occasions mm. and alistair cook the cricketer so there you go <laughs> well you also had um oh i can't remember her name now aria stark and her dog oh yeah uh, Maisie williams, Maisie williams. I, I met her dog before i met Maisie. <laughs> Yeah, the dog ran around the corner and like almost into my office and was being trouble. So I was fussing the dog and she rushed over and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I literally was like, it's okay. It makes you sound like you're like constantly like brushing shoulders with celebrities, Ryan. I've got to be honest. Oh, okay. That's well. (laughs) It's very sinister. Oh, wow. (laughs) 
well, there you go. So there's a combat wheelchair made by Sarah Thompson, who's known as Mustang Art on Twitter. And this whole document is free. You just go to her Twitter. It's on like a Google Drive and stuff like that. I'll put links in the uh, episode description as well so people can have a look at it. And just say like thanks to her because she's really, really cool. Her whole sort of CV, as it were, for writing in RPGs does focus on representation sort of with chronic illness. She worked on the Witcher RPG and is working in Peso for the Starfinder one as well. She's a disability advocate. In a, yeah, so you know what? Like She's written this from a place of obviously knowledge and stuff like that, but also of love as well. So I, yeah, hats off to you, Sarah. That's great. Huge respect to people who can do all these creative PDFs at any point in time, let alone on something yeah. so good. Just you and I just stick to the audio and visual. We'll, we'll never mm. have time for PDFs as well. <laughs> no, no, too much, too much. Any, anything looking neat is way beyond me. Oh God, yeah, I, I hate you to see my notes from, from anything. I, I have to type them up now because I can't read them uh, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, what is our next topic? What are we looking at next time? So we are going to be diving back into the world of DMing and specifically building up worlds. Now, one of the things that comes up all the time is players and magic items. And can I get magic items? I want a specific magic item. Oh, we don't have enough magic items. Have I put enough magic items in my campaign? So we're going to be going through the initial tables in the Dungeon Master's Guide to talk a bit about magic items and how many you should be putting in and how to go about spreading them across a campaign. It sounds great because, again, Ryan, it's something I have never done. I've just always used what was in the module. I've always panicked. I think the only time I put stuff in was when we did that Battle Royale and I just put a, a deck of many things. And, of course, the least experienced player got it and panicked and just started pulling out random cards and it just was just absolute chaos. I bet so, that was hilarious. It was. <laughs> well, you were there, so it's fine. I don't even remember. It's, it's, it, was, it was that bad. Oh, no, it's just a long time ago. Many, many sessions ago. Many sessions ago. <laughs> so, Ryan, where can we find you? What are you doing? What projects are coming up? What's happening in the world of Ryan? Well, right here. Just listen to the next episode and I will appear again in wow. your ears. Hey, you could even go back an episode and I would still be there. You could also come find me on Discord. I've got a Discord under the name of Ursa Ryan. Come find me. Talk to me. Come find my YouTube channel, Ursa Ryan again. I'm not very imaginative. I really should get more aliases. I'm not a very good superhero. <laughs> Like I, I never have a good answer to this. I'm really sorry. No, it's it's fine. Hey, it, it's how you promote yourself. It's that beautiful charm you have. It's like, oh, come yeah. talk to you. Oh, I think we should go talk to him. Like, it yeah, sounds, sounds really like she's it. I'm very lonely. Oh, hmm. well, well, oh, I'm sorry. So sorry to hear that. My, my, <laughs> my name is Fiona. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast alongside uh, this wonderful podcast. It is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. As you've heard, Call of Cthulhu is now done. Hooray. Um, I've got other things coming up. I've got some uh, crossover episodes, apparently, that I, I need to study for at some point. I say study Not like for. the Simpsons are going to appear in them. Oh, that, I wish yeah. that was cool. I don't think I'd get the rights to have the Simpsons crossover. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's just pirating. Just plagiarism. Do I, it. It's fine. I, you're so right. Everyone does it. Mm. <laughs> 
And uh, I do lots of improv stuff as well. I never talk about it because it's, well, oh, sorry. I do talk about improv because I'm really boring and I have only two interests, which is D&D and improv. Um, but I do lots of improv stuff. I've been doing some stuff called Extreme Improv where I play essentially, uh, it's called Revenge of the Werewolf. It's essentially werewolf where people who don't know the rules to werewolf. And I, you know this, I almost, I almost got the werewolf last time. I worked out who it was and then they killed me. And I was like, you, ah. but this time I've, I've got a plan and I'm going to, show them next time i'm gonna be the best werewolf hunter there has ever been and i can't wait unless i'm the werewolf and then i'm just gonna be completely silent throughout <laughs> exactly just be the only werewolf the only, the only person kill everyone else and then you win doesn't matter which side you're on <laughs> less than like that well until um, next time bye <laughs> bye <laughs>